This is the MG Car Club podcast. This week, MGs and the future with Kieran Reid. Car Club podcast. Hello, Wayne Scott with you, and welcome to another MG Car Club podcast. In the week that marks just three weeks to go until the big MG Car Club social at the British Motor Museum at Gaydon. If you haven't got your tickets yet, don't forget, get yourself booked in. It's going to be a fantastic day, and you can get your tickets very easily online from the British Motor Museum website, or of course by going to mgcc.co.uk and following the links from there. You'll find it on the homepage and also within the news page sections as well. And on top of that, don't forget as well that if you fancy trying motorsport for the first time, we have the MG Car Club Auto Solo returning. And it's your chance to get involved with a bit of great fun, simple, easy and cheap motorsport. You'll just have a great laugh throughout the day. All the details, mgcc.co.uk forward slash news. Now we're talking to the secretary of the MG Car Club's young members branch very soon, Kieran Reid. He'll be on shortly. But first, worth a mention of MG Motor UK's amazing success this year. They've just announced that they've smashed their 2020 sales record in September with the 20,000th new MG of 2021 sold this month. That 20,000th car, if you're interested, was a Battersea Blue MG ZS sold privately by O.C. Davis MG of uh, Carmarthen in Wales. And it takes the brand above the landmark figure for the first time, beating the 2020 sales volume of 18,415. And we're only in September. And it's amazing to think that all the other automotive companies in the UK have struggled, it's fair to say, with COVID, the lockdowns, and getting things back underway as the economy has had to recover. But MG still doing phenomenally well. You can read the full details of the story on that and all the latest MG Motor news, of course, as ever, via mgcc.co.uk. But it certainly seems that there's no stopping MG Motor currently as they continue to roll out those brand new cars and sell large numbers of EVs into the country as well. Let's see how many cars they've sold after another three and a half months across those 50 new dealers they've announced throughout 2021. Excellent to see the MG brand still doing so well. And talking of the MG brand, it's uh, time to get branded up as the autumn's upon us. It's time to get all accessoried up. On the MG Car Club shop, we've got some brand new stuff for you. Uh, one that's really nice, actually, has caught my eye, I thought I'd tell you about, is the Felt MG Satchel. Yes, it's handy to put your small laptop in, all those bits and bobs. It's kind of like a man bag, but I wouldn't call it that because I'll put you off. <laughs> it's not that really at all. It's quite smart. It's an eco-friendly felt grey satchel bag with a leather look handle and a zippered inner compartment and it's got the mg logo on the front and it's fastened by poppers and it's got this beautiful look to it it's really nice it's on the newsletter this week as well you can find it very easily by searching satchel on the mg car club shop that's shop.mgcc.co.uk and it's really all about the branded clothing for autumn this year we've got brand new mg baseball caps in new colors available of those red black gray 
all available with a Velcro strap so they'll fit any size head, including big ones like mine, and also MG softshell jackets if you want a bit of luxury to keep you warm. If you're determined to keep the roof down on the MG just a little bit longer, then the MG softshell jacket is ideal for you. It's breathable, it's wind and water resistant, and it's got safety fast embroidered on the arm. It looks great. It's available in black, grey and navy. Get yours now at shop.mgcc.co.uk. Kieran Reed is next. The MG Car Club Podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go. UK. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. Well, on this week's MG Car Club podcast, I can't believe it's been episode 67 before we actually get Kieran on, but we're writing that wrong now. Welcome along to the podcast, Kieran Reed. Hello, Wayne. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's great to have you on. Uh, sorry we didn't get you here sooner. It's been busy, you know, but it's been a weird year for everyone. <laughs> It has, definitely. I've had it as for us all, definitely. <laughs> so apart from the fact that you share your name with a very famous all-black rugby player, uh, tell us a little bit about your background in MGs. Where did this passion for MGs all begin for you? So it all started from quite a very young age. Um, my father started to work for a company that manufacture um, the hubs and spinners for classic cars. And they started to do all the auto jumbles and classic car shows, which I used to go along to and I still do. And it was just, you know, growing up around classic cars was something that always was stuck close to my heart. And all these shows that I went to, the MG, especially the MGB, was always that one car that was quite common at the shows. And it kind of started from there. So I knew from that, you know, from that outset that I wanted a classic car. And specifically, I wanted to go into that MG brand. So that's been going for over 15 years now. So that was the moment when I knew that I wanted a classic car. And yeah, so I've, I've just grown up around them, really. And that's when I um, that's when I wanted, that's when I knew that I wanted one. Well, how did you find your current car? Tell us about it. And tell us about that moment that you first clapped eyes on it. Was it love at first sight? <laughs> it was, definitely. So um, the, the one I've got now, it's a 1971 MGB GT. Um, it's one of the last of what they say, the Mark IIs with the fish mouth grill. Mm. And it's more commonly known as Molly. For anyone who follows me on social media, it is Molly the MGB GT. And it was the third one I viewed. And the first two that I viewed were unfortunately not up to scratch. They weren't as advertised and they were what we call in the trade lemons, unfortunately. Um, but this one I viewed, like you said, Wayne, that was definitely love at first sight with it. And I went to Hereford to collect it, which isn't that far from me. And as soon as I laid eyes on the car, you know that moment when it, you know you set your eyes on it, you set your heart on it, and you know that's the car. Completely honest, really honest sale. The history dates back to the mid-70s with it. And it just went from there. And I just looked at the car and I thought, that's for me. And I mean, when I bought it, I'd, when I was looking for an MGB, I wanted one that I could work on and wanted one that, you know, needed a bit of TLC doing to it. I didn't want a concourse one and I didn't want a barn find. So it really ticked all the boxes for me and the deal was made. And here I am, three years later, still with the car. It's funny, isn't it, how you can click with a, with a car when you go in to find one to buy. And sometimes you can see what on paper 
is the most perfect car. It's been well looked after. It's in great condition. The price is right, but it sometimes just doesn't speak to you, does it? But and then you'll go and find something else entirely, and it will just say, "Yeah, that's that's mine." It's it's weird how it happens like that. Was it the same with this? Definitely, hundred percent. It's always one of those times where it kind of naturally comes to you. It's like you naturally find your true love, and it was the same with the car. You know, I didn't really look at a specific one at the time and then when this one came along everything just ticked the boxes and everything was just right and i planned ahead what i wanted to do with the car and yeah so three years later here i am done a bit of improvements to it and uh yeah it's got me to where i am today within the car club and for that i'm really thankful really so yeah i do love it to bits is this a daily driver or is it something that you use alongside a modern modern daily a modern car it is my weekend toy. I do have another MG as my daily, though. I've got a uh, 2004 MGTF as my daily. Um, oh, well, you slum bought... it then. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist it, when I couldn't resist it, you know. I mean, l- last year I did have a car accident and my modern daily was written off. And it was at, the, the, at that point when I thought, well, you know, do I go for another MG? You know, I've already got one. You know, let's have two MGs. So I found this TF. And um, again, it was a really honest car. It was a very low mileage car. And yeah, so here I am as well with this, and uh, it's lovely to have as a modern car, and it's just nice to have the two cars. One I can take to a show, the other I can take to work, and vice versa. If one fails, I can use the other one, so it works really well. This is the thing about the MGFs, isn't it? You know, not only are they really cheap to pick up now, such good value, but they genuinely are practical sports cars that you can use every day. They are brilliant. 100%. I mean, the storage space in it is fantastic for what I need in the car. It's And the glove box is quite big. And then, of course, you've got the front boost like the bo- under the bonnet. You know, there's a bit of storage space under there with the spare wheel. So it works really well. It's a very practical little car. What do your mates think of your MG obsession? Is it something they sort of look look upon with, like, wonderment? Or are you a hero for the car you drive? Or just, just complete confusion? <laughs> quite luckily um a lot of my followers on instagram really they take to it and they know the obsession they know why i love mgs as a whole and some of the guys i grew up with at school you know like through high school and college they don't really understand it because i think they went more towards like the supercars like the ferraris lamborghinis but i was i was the only one that seemed to stick with the classic cars i was the only one that loved classic cars you know on the on the laptops at school everyone had you know like a lamborghini merchalago as the wallpaper whereas I had an MGB GT and no one through school could really see it. But when I got into the community through the MG Car Club, everyone understood it. And regardless of what my followers have got, everything from Morris Miners all the way up to E-Type Jags, they all seem to understand the obsession. So it's really thankful and it's really nice to see that everyone now understands my obsession with MGs. Well, I wonder how many of those kids at school who had Ferraris and whatever else on the laptops actually will ever own one of those. But, of course, you've realised your dream and you've got an MGB. <laughs> Definitely. It was it was a dream that was, it wasn't out of reach, and I'm glad that I've, you know, got into it now. It's, it wasn't out of reach. It was, it was never out of reach, and I'm glad that I've got into it. Yeah. Well, what have you done to the car then? Because you said you'd planned what you wanted to do with it after you'd bought it quite well in advance so how did that inform your buying choices and also what was the plan so the plan really was to just get the car ready for shows i mean in in its current state when i bought it it needed things like you know the paint recuperating it needed the bumpers re-chroming and that was the sort of stuff that i wanted to do so i did the bumpers on it i took it off to a chromers not far from me who did the bumpers for me and the interior didn't really need touching to be honest the interior is really good 
Um, a bit of trim there and then just needed replacing or polishing, you know, touching up. And the wheels I actually replaced because the, the wheels that were on it before were the mini lights, which I love the mini lights. I just really like the wire wheels and being a Mark II, I believe they were factory option on the Mark II. So I actually replaced the um, hubs over, did the conversion over to wire wheels, which I've still got now. And apart from that, it's just been mechanical, really, just keeping it on the road and keeping it well maintained for long journeys that I do in it. And uh, that was what I wanted to do from day one, really. Well, tell us about some of those long journeys. You must have had some real lovely highlights, some memories now that are wrapped up in that car, like we all have. And, of course, the longer you own a car, the more memories you have, and you know every little mark and ding on it has a story to tell. So what's been the highlights so far? So, ironically, as we're saying about this, um, two days ago I came back from quite a long journey. We went up to um, North Yorkshire, and we went up to a little village called Gothland where they film Heartbeats. Oh, yeah. Which is ironically, yep, it's my favourite TV show. Um, everyone, all of my followers know I'm a super fan of the show. And um, <laughs> we spent five days up there just exploring the filming locations where they filmed. Um, we went for a classic car show up there where a few of the cast members came along. And all three cast members that I met actually sat in the car and they um, they expressed how much they loved it. So that's got to be a highlight for me um, so far. And we did the same journey last year. This time last year, we did it as well. Um, and apart from that, it's just been taking it to various shows and the people I meet. You know, it's, it's such a nice community to be a part of. And if I wouldn't have bought that car, I wouldn't have met the people that I've met today. And the amount of support and gratitude that's through the car club is fantastic. And so from that, really, it's just taking it out to various shows and little holidays what we do every year and now that you know things are opening back up it's great that we can get back out and uh, enjoy these cars again and not just keep them in the garage when we were kind of forced to stay in our home so it's nice to just get back out and enjoy it i can't let you drop that massive heartbeat bomb without asking more did you meet trisha penrose did you see gina that's what i want to know I did meet Trisha Penrose, wow. and ironically, I went out for a meal with her as well. We went out no for a meal way. <laughs> oh, now I am completely jealous. I'm green with envy sat here, Kieran. <laughs> no, she's lovely. Trisha's lovely, and my friend knows her already. And we went for a meal down Whitby, and uh, yeah, she seems to uh, want an MGB now because she wanted the car off me, so... Um, I said no, though, of course. I did say no, but yeah, she wants an MG now. <laughs> well, you can't just drop a name like that without uh, promising that you'll get her on this podcast for us, because I have to admit, I had something of a small crush on uh, Gina when I was a kid watching Heartbeat, <laughs> and uh, it would be amazing to have her on this podcast. Can you put in a word for us, Kieran? Do you think you could do that? I will certainly see what I can do for you, Wayne, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I think there's there's hundreds of listeners now all going, oh yeah, oh yeah, and can we do it on video or something like that? But uh, <laughs> Definitely. It was ridiculed a little bit, bless it, because, you know, the 60s lasted for about 30 years, I think. But um, <laughs> the only reason you watched it on a Sunday evening, well, the only reason most of us watched it was for A, Gina, and for B, all of the different cars that you saw as well, from Triumphs, Morrises, everything else. And of course, those early series had Nick, the policeman, and he was driving around in his MGTC, wasn't he? It was indeed, yes. And ironically, that car's just been sold off as well. It's still running and it's just been sold off for one of the suppliers who I know. So that's good that it's still on the road as well. Amazing. I think I seem to remember there was a there was a storyline behind that car in the series where he dragged it out of a barn and restored it, wasn't there? It was, yes. He bought it from the guy called Greengrass, who was the kind of local road oh, yeah. sitting in his barn, and <laughs> yeah. he bought it from him and restored it. So that was a good storyline behind that. Yeah, there we are. It made the TC famous again. And amazing to think that in the 60s, 
Yeah, they would have been, some of them coming on for nearly 30 years old already. Doesn't that just boggle your mind? Definitely. And it's it's weird to see because although it's set in the 1960s, and like you just said, it's one of those cars that we know today are still a classic. But then even back in the 60s, it was becoming somewhat of a classic car. So, yeah, it's mm. really good to see that it was, you know, being restored even in the 60s. Well, Kieran, friend to the stars, like, uh, <laughs> like Trisha Penrose, it's excellent to have you on. But, of course, when you're not meeting the stars of uh, MGs on screen, you're also working in this industry day to day as well. Tell us more about your day job. I do, yes. So I work for a company called David Manners Group, who are based in the West Midlands. And um, we basically cover all British classics, all the way from Jaguars and Daimlers to um, MG's Triumphs, Morris Miners and Austins. Um, so, yeah, as a day job, we just kind of supply the parts for them. So if anyone rings up and just needs any part for them, basically, we just see what they need and if we've got it in stock. And so, yeah, it's nice to work. It's nice to work in that industry because I class it more as a hobby, to be honest. It's not so much of a job for me. It's more of a hobby. So, you know, I'll, I'll go to work talking about classic cars and I'll come home talking about classic cars. And obviously my dad's in the industry as well. So it's nice that we've all got that connection within the family as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, it's so nice to see people applying passion to their career and being able to find a career within classic cars. It's always a great thing to see that. But also... You know, let's uh, let's not beat around the bush here. You're not old, are you, Kieran? And it's nice to see a young person working in this industry, progressing, and having you know a real obvious passion for it as well. And of course, you know that you've become part of the MG Car Club Young Members Branch, and you've been able to grow within that as well, haven't you? Definitely. Well, as all my friends and family say, I was definitely born in the wrong gear. I should have been born in the 60s. Um, but yes, I am. I am um, fairly younger within the community and um, being a part of the young members branch, you know, I'm now club secretary. And it is really nice that, you know, we're encouraging the younger generation to get into these cars because the way I look at it, it is, you know, we, we don't want it to become a dying trade. We are worried in case one day it will become a dying trade. And that's what we're trying to prevent effectively. And I'm into my aircraft as well. And so the way I look at it, you look at things like the Vulcan bomber. Um, yes, you know, it was down to money why they couldn't fly it. But at the end of the day, a lot of the experience was dying off as well. So these guys who flew the Vulcan, who, you know, worked on it back in the wars, those people are dying off and it's such a shame. And we don't want this to happen to these classic cars as well. So this is why we're trying to encourage, you know, getting to getting to MGs, you know, they're not as expensive as you make them out to be. And there's not as expensive in maintenance and insurance. And that's what we're trying to encourage through the young members branch. We're trying to say, look, you can run these cars and you can operate them. You can maintain them just as if not easier than a modern car, like, you know, like a brand new Ford or something, you know, they are really affordable and, you know, they are very quirky cars. They're very characterful. And like I said, we just don't want the trade to die off and we just want to keep them going and we want to encourage as much younger generation as possible as we can. And even the modern MGs, the modern MGs are fantastic little cars to get into. And going back to the characterful things of it, they are such little quirky cars and one day they will become classic. And that this is what we're trying to encourage within the branch. So I think it is really important that the younger generation do get into these classics. Absolutely. Well, we've got a series of challenges here, haven't we? We've got the challenge, first of all, of getting young people interested in the cars. But once you've done that, it's getting them engaged with the club. And it's great to hear you talk about how much the MG Car Club membership has meant to you and, and how much that's enhanced your ownership of your car. You've got involved with all these amazing activities and things that you wouldn't have done 
uh, on your own. But how do you think we can communicate that out to younger audiences? Because there's no getting away from the fact that car clubs, societies, the gathering of people around a single common interest has very little relevance to young audiences anymore. And we know that because it's not just car clubs struggling to attract young people. It's sports clubs. It's all sorts of clubs and societies based around hobbies. What do you think has changed and, and how do we get around that? How does how does the club have to adapt to modern ways of thinking and, and, and socialising? I think the main thing really is social media. That's the one power point of the whole car club that really pushes, especially during the whole coronavirus situation. I think it's one thing that's really helped us as the young members branch push our members and say, look, this is what we do. These are the cars that we've got. These are the members that we've got. And it's such a powerful tool, especially in this modern day now, to communicate with members, you know, not just through post. You can just post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And it's such a powerful source for us now. And the one thing that we're trying to do in the Young Members Branch at the moment is to try and share every little event what we do. I mean, we've just done um, the MGF 25 event at Gaydon, which was a really successful thing for us. And just before that, we did the BMC and British Leyland Day. Again, fantastic show for us. And every time we do these kind of shows, we just plant them straight on Facebook and Instagram and say, this is what we do. You know, if you've got an MG and you haven't done anything like this before, and if you're not a member of us, this is what we do. Come along, come along to an event, you know, give us a message and try it out. And the one thing that we're doing that's really powerful at the moment, you may have seen in Safety Fast, uh, we've now got a set location um, for a monthly natter. And that's a place called Jilts Cafe, which is in Coynton, just, just near Gaiden, actually. It's just right by the museum. And the reason why we've done it is because A, we haven't had anything like that before. And B, is to kind of bring everyone together. It's on a Friday evening, so every last Friday of every month at Jilt's Calf. It's nice to just relax for the week, bring your MG along, have a cup of tea, have a burger, have nice food and drinks. And the main thing, just have a natter. Like, like me and you are doing now, Wayne, just having a nice natter about MGs and cars in general because I think the way of communicating with young members such a powerful way of doing it not just social media but actually face to face with the cars and i think you know now like i said now that things are starting to get back to some form of normality it's nice that we can get together and share our passion because i think that's that's what it's all about absolutely and, and when you look around your peers outside the mg car club and outside of classic cars we have a challenge there haven't we because they are increasingly being subjected to media messaging and to the general sentiment amongst society that internal combustion engines are bad cars are bad and you should feel guilty about using one um it's got to be a real project now isn't it of outreach and education to talk to new audiences and say look actually these are historic pieces parts of our uh, transport heritage that need protecting for the future and actually you could burn them all tomorrow. It wouldn't make any difference to the carbon problems that we have in this world. What we ought to do is celebrate the fact that they tell us a lot about our past so we can learn from it, uh, celebrate it, and go forward with the future and support EVs for the for the next era of motoring. Um, that's a challenge. Social media is a great medium to do it, but of course the messaging has to be right and the activities around it and the accessibility has to be right as well, doesn't it? 100% completely agree and it's this whole new you know like the E10 situation with the fuel that's something that 
myself at work, we get a lot of phone calls about of people worried saying, do I convert my classic to electric or, you know, do I convert it to hybrid? And we're saying at the moment, no, because it is, it's the case of super and leaded at the moment, you know, it's, it's as simple as that, but we've heard stories of people putting this E10 fuel in and it's completely, you know, subjects the fuel lines to damage and the tank and everything but i think at this moment like you just said we don't so much have to be worried in that sense but little things like this do kind of get us concerned for the future because the way the way i look at it is what are the governments actually doing to help protect these historic pieces of motor in history which they are and you can look you can walk into a museum you know look at the like the bluebird for example or any of these machineries that land speed record cars they're just as important, in my opinion, as are, you know, everyday MGB, Triumph Spitfire. They are so important. As a whole, classic cars in general for me, as a whole, every single one of them is important because it just shows the evolution of what Britain made and around the world. And, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain for me, really, but I just love the whole history behind cars and, you know, how they were designed and made. And like you just said as well, you can burn every single classic car that's in existence. You can destroy them all tomorrow. And to be honest, it probably won't make one bit of difference to the emissions what we're producing today. So I have to agree with you on that one. Well, a less less than a quarter of 1%, that's less than 0.25% of all of the annual mileage on the UK's roads is accounted for by historic vehicles. When I say that, that covers everything from cars, motorcycles to commercials and everything in between, agricultural machinery, the lot. We're just not a significant part because, as you say, you know, we're we're leisure vehicles. We're not used as daily transport in that sense anymore. So it's there to be celebrated and educated. And an E10 is a funny one, isn't it? Because actually, if all we have to do to save the planet with a bit of emissions is add 10% ethanol to petrol. I'm quite happy with that. Let's crack on with it because actually it doesn't mean I have to change too much about my historic vehicle. Yeah, I, I need to make sure that the fuel lines are well maintained and uh, you know change hoses to Viton ones and those that are ethanol um, uh, are protected. But in, in general terms, the car remains the same. Um, you know, we we are going to have to make some compromises along the way here, I think, so that we can enjoy cars as they are without having to change them and do dreadful things like convert them to electric. 100% I agree. I think if it does get to the point where you may have to make the odd modifications to the car, if it means, you know, I'm talking if like a little tiny part of the engine or something, you know, if it means keeping the car on the road, then I think, you know, if you're into it, I think it's going to have to be done. Um, the whole electric thing, I mean, myself personally, I'd never convert the car to electric, you know, if it got to the point in 30 odd years time and the saying, you have to convert your car, classic car to electric, then I'm sorry, I just wouldn't do it. I, I know it's not, you know, people have their opinions, but for me personally, I, I couldn't do it. I could never rip that heart and soul out of the car. The gorgeous B-series soundtrack, I could not do it. I could not give it up for that. It's uh, heartening to hear, to hear you say that, uh, Kieran, because <laughs> I do worry when you see so much promotion of the conversion of, of classic cars into electric that this is going to be a, a rising trend. And I sincerely hope it isn't because actually we don't, A, we don't need to. And I gave an interview to the press, to the BBC recently, where they were saying, you know, we're going to 
um, save so much of, of the carbon footprint of the classic car movement if they're all con uh, converted to electric. It's just simply not true because of the mileage reasons that we've outlined and the fact that these cars have paid their dues, you know, have been around a long time. They've had the usage out of the materials, the raw materials that were taken to build them. They've paid their carbon dues in that sense and converting them to electric. It just doesn't make any difference, you know, and I guess there's a there is a point at which some owners want, might want to convert their cars to electric in the same way that some people put I don't know Vauxhall engines in midgets and that kind of stuff you know that's customization it's tuning fair enough but to do it from a green point of view is pointless I think definitely and like you said I don't I don't think it will make a huge difference I mean I'm in the aviation industry as well. I fly some light aircraft. And in, in that sense, we're seeing it where they're starting to bring out these solar-powered aircraft and they're starting to bring out these airliners that, you know, much more efficient. They'll use less throttle on takeoff and they'll use less flaps on landing just to prevent that, just a bit more emissions. And to me, it really doesn't seem that different. It's hard to explain, but it doesn't seem that much different. If we see it on a larger scale, if it goes out to a, such a wider scale then I could see it working. But like you said, these cars, like my, my MGB, it's I don't use it every day. I don't do a great deal of miles on it. And I think, you know, I mean, we'll probably go on to it in a minute, but I think the, the insurance side of it as well, you know, we don't use these cars as often, you know, as people think. And some people daily these classics, and I have nothing but respect for that because I think daily in them, you know, you're using them, you're showing how much you love them. And I really love that. And even then, though, even when people daily them, I don't think they'll do that much mileage in them to make any difference within emissions and even insurance in wow. that sense. So I completely agree. Ultimately, it comes down to consumption. Even if we all went to electric vehicles tomorrow, if we continue to buy cars brand new every two years, the consumption is still going to emit so much greenhouse gases that we're going to be back to square one. And actually recycling and reusing and getting a longer life out of what we've already produced has got to be a huge impact on all of these challenges that we've got to meet. So, you know, if you're dailying your classic car, you're part of the solution, I reckon. And, and you're all heroes, I reckon, as well. <laughs> Not only because you have to start the thing on a cold morning, but because you're doing your bit for the planet, I reckon. And, um, you know, electric vehicles, as daily cars, as modern cars, as new commuter traffic, it's got to be the way forward. There's nothing else out there yet that can give us the solutions to the problems we face. I know there's hydrogen and there's artificial fuels, etc., etc., but they're not market ready yet. So, you know, you, you can't ever put down the new electric vehicles out there. But I say, and I hope you'll agree, leave our classics alone. They're fine as they are. Thank you very much. Continue 100%. to buy your MG5 EVs from MG. Go and get your ZS EVs. Do all of that stuff. Brilliant. Love to see it. But leave me MGB alone, will you? <laughs> yeah, 100% completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about insurance then, because you, you brilliantly segued into that, Kieran. How is the insurance situation for young drivers? drivers now obviously here in the mg car club we've got a great new partnership with cherished vehicle insurance services pete there has been on this podcast before he is committed to getting more young people behind the wheel of mgs finally you know we've got insurance companies who are having dialogue with car clubs the future's looking a lot brighter isn't it 100 percent, it really is and i mean when i first got my mg that's one thing that i was quite concerned about was insurance I mean, you know, you'll get a classic and, you know, they'll hear your age automatically, 
you know, you're a boy racer doing drifts everywhere. And it's certainly not the case. And this is one thing that we're trying to point out to, you know, these insurance companies. It's great that the likes of Cherish is really helping us within the MG Car Club. And for me, insurance wise, it's really not too bad. Um, the accident that I had last year, it wasn't my fault. And I was really concerned that that would affect my insurance. But luckily, I had all the evidence that it wasn't my fault. And that, you know, that kind of saved it in a sense. But even still, when I first, I was 19 when I got my MGB. And that, you know, for a classic car owner, he's quite young. And I was really concerned, oh, it's a sports car. Is it going to fall under that category, this and that? Um, but one thing that I did find was the insurance company that I'm with still have really accommodated me. And they've really, you know, took to heart that I'm a young driver with passion for these classic cars. And that's one thing that I'm, I hope all these other insurance companies will look at throughout the young members branch and throughout the likes of the TR youth as well. And it's just nice to see that more of them are more becoming accommodating to the younger generation and they're understanding the same as we are, that we are the next generation for this industry and we are the people who will need to keep it going in the next 50 years. And it's it's just nice that they're, you know, like I said, just accommodating and it's just, yeah, it's, it, I can't stress enough how important it is for, you know, the young members in the Triumph in the, and the MG community. Yeah, it's good that you mentioned Triumph there because, of course, we come to this podcast on the back of a phenomenal event at Malvern where the Triumph and MG clubs came together, the MG Car Club joining, of course, the TR Register and the Triumph Sports 6 Club to share passions not only for MG but for British sports cars as well. And I think anyone who attended that event just saw how powerful that can be and new friendships were made for life from that event, weren't they? Definitely. We had a really good time with the TR youth. We were really good. You know, it just showed our friendship between the two branches. And it, yeah, there's no there's no enemies there. I mean, you look at, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, all it was MG and Triumph competing. But today, and that's the whole point of the car club, is to bring people together. And at that event, you know, we had our live arena events. We you know, threw tyres and tug of war, things like that. And it was just fantastic to bring the two branches together and to show that we are one united people. And at the end of the day, we've all got the same interest. We've all got the same aim to keep these cars on the road. And that's, you know, it's really important to stress. It's another big change, isn't it, in new generations coming into the classic car world. There is no such thing as MG man or woman now, is there? People are genuinely interested in classic cars as a whole in all brands and all marks and instead of sort of becoming tribal under a particular car brand there is a sense that younger people are more hungry for classic cars they see them as part of one movement rather than individual car brands would you agree with that 100 percent, definitely it's one of those industries where like you said regardless of what classic you've got whether it be an mg a jaguar a daimler a mini you're all a part of the same community. You're all a part of the same aim at the end of the day, like I said, to keep the cars on the road. And I mean, myself personally, I am looking at my, I mean, my MGB is a keeper. I'm never selling it, but I am looking at a second classic at the moment and it's not an MG. So I'm even kind of going out of that and I'm exploring other brands out there. And it's just so important that we, you know, focus on it as a whole, the industry as a whole, not just one. So, you know, I'm, I love my MGs. My MGs is my number one go-to. It's the brand that I'm always going to stick with. 
But I'm thinking if I go and explore like another brand, at the end of the day, we're still in the same industry and we're still, even the car clubs, we're all working together. And it's just important that we, you know, keep the brand as a whole in the classic car industry going into the future. Well, listeners to this podcast might not know that in 2006, I was instrumental in founding the youth group of the TR Register. And we were pretty much the first youth group officially recognised by a car club at that time. The changes since then have been huge. Not only have you seen young members' registers or branches or groups within car clubs start to spring up and gain traction and success, but also the great thing I love to see now looking on, and I'm well out of the youth group scene now, unfortunately. Well, I say that, I still party with the best of them at these events. But what the, what's really happened over the last few years in particular is seeing all the young members' branches coming together, regardless of what club they're from, and working together to put on joint events. And one of those joint events, unfortunately, got sort of cancelled due to COVID, but I'm sure it will return bigger and better, was Tire Fest. And MG Car Club has been a real part of that. And an event now where all of those young members groups within all of the car clubs across the community come together to share their passion for classic cars and to educate each other about their own clubs and brands. It's just fantastic, isn't it, to see that? It really is. I think it's these kind of events like Tire Fest and even the NEC, you know, when people come together, as all car clubs come together, it's really important that we get to know each other. And like I said, we're sharing the same passion. So I think it is really important that these events carry on really into the future. It always makes me... Uh, really positive and buoyant and enthusiastic when I talk to to people like yourself, Kieran, who are, are younger, out there and hungry to make the classic car world a success, working in it as well. And a lot of the naysayers who say, you know, it's all a dying art and it's a dying community, it, it just shows that it's not. It has the potential to have a really, really bright future. And it's great the work that you're doing with the Young Members Branch. Tell us about what you've got coming up in the future. Tell us about uh, things we can look forward to. If any, there's any of the young members listening to this podcast that perhaps haven't engaged with you yet, uh, tell us what's what's to look forward to. So we've got a number of events coming up. We're looking forward into the NEC that's hopefully happening in November. And we've got some exciting stand kind of opportunities there. So keep an eye out for that. Um, one thing that we're really pushing at the moment is motorsport. And it's one of those oldest traditions in the MG Car Club, you know, like the auto solos and the hill climbs. And that's one thing that the car club have been really eager to get us involved with. And so we're, we're experiencing some auto solo testing at the moment. Um, and the MG Car Club Social that's coming up at Gaydon, uh, we'll be having a go there. So if you are if you are a young member, if you want to join, um, we'll be having a little um, taster session there. Um, coming up in a couple of weeks' time, we've got some events with the Midland Centre in Bromsgrove. We're having the auto testing there as well. Um, so I think really the main thing that we're trying to push is auto sport, also like auto testing and motorsport as a whole. And I had a go myself in uh, Malvern in the uh, MG Triumph day. I had a go in my MGB. It is great fun. Uh, it doesn't damage the car. It is really good fun. And um, so I think, you know, really it's just getting people involved and all these shows that's coming up, I think, you know, that we're trying to do as many as we can and trying to do as much as we can, really. So now that everything's coming back, we're just um, looking forward into the future and growing as a branch. Well, one of my great passions as well, which is an MG Car Club tradition, is trialling. I 
do suggest that if you get the opportunity to go and do some very simple trialing to give it a go, it is the most fun you'll have in a muddy field in an MG ever. It really is. Um, <laughs> and if you want to join the uh, MG Car Club Young Members Branch at the MG Social at Gaiden and get involved with that auto test, you can find all the entry forms now at mgcc.co.uk. Just click on the news pages there and you'll find the article that details what you need to do to enter. Of course, you need a RS Clubman's license. They're free, really easy to fill out a simple form on the MSUK website and get that. It will come through on an email. You just print it out and bring it with you. And then all you have to do is fill out the MG Car Club entry form as well, which you'll find up there on that page. That's mgcc.co.uk forward slash news. You'll find all the information you need. Uh, up there also of course on the british motor museum website at gaydon there you can get your tickets and get booked in and it's going to be a great day of course last year it was the event that celebrated 90 years of the mg car club and it's an event that i think will have a good place in our calendar for years to come it's just nice to sort of round things off and it kieran and get together in the car park at gaydon and have a good old chat Definitely, 100%. And that's one thing that we've missed, you know, the past couple of years, we've not been able to do it. And that's what that's one thing what we've done with our uh, monthly natters that we're doing as well, just to get together and talk about cars, which is what we do best. You have your MGB, you have your MGF, you've got years of ownership ahead of you. What is the one ambition on the bucket list, if you like, uh, that you'd like to do with either of your cars, something that you'd like to achieve with your MGs? Uh, in the next few years? Oh, that is a very good question. I think it would have to be. There's two things, actually, if I could point out two things. Um, I think the main thing, um, looking at Practical Classics, they did it a few, I think it was last year, they got a Metro and they shipped it over to America and they put it in New York City. And I think getting my MGB in New York City, you know, in Times Square and Manhattan, I think that would be a dream just to explore another country in the MGB, I think that would be um, one thing I'd like to do. And another thing ever since I bought the car, and this is a bit of a kind of nerdy thing for me, but I'm into my aviation and um, the registration on my MGB is KLM. And obviously that's been an airline. I'd love to get a photo of my MGB with a KLM airliner. I think that would just outset, you know, the car's character. I think it would just put my two hobbies together. So I think, those two pointers really would be on my bucket list before I go. Excellent. Well, I hope you realise those ambitions and I hope you come back and tell us all about them here on the MG Car Club podcast when you do. And we'll look forward to interviewing Trisha Penrose, a.k.a. Gina from Heartbeat very soon. <laughs> I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> Brilliant, Kieran. Keep it up. It's so good to have you on and so good to hear of the, all the great stuff that you and the other young members are doing. So, uh, Kieran Reid from the Young Members Branch of the MG Car Club. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Thank you. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.